This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. This is your host, Leo, and this is another episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast. So thank you for joining us today. We've got a guest coming on soon, which I will introduce, but uh, wanted to obviously call out why Fabi is not here at the moment. She had a little bit of an appointment that she could not get out of, so I'm kind of starting this off uh, to bring in our guest and uh, begin that interview, and then she'll be joining us uh, hopefully midstream in that interview uh, or, or as early as possible. And uh, what we're going to be talking about today is the COVID vaccination in relation to military service. And so our guest is uh, uh, a member of the military and uh, has been in a while. And we, I will do a formal introduction of him when I bring him on. Uh, but uh, then th- I think we're also going to try to transition into some discussion around uh, censorship. We obviously have a lot in the news right now around Elon Musk closing on the sale of, uh, I'm sorry, closing on the purchase of Twitter. Uh, and uh, a lot of people have beliefs of what that's going to mean, you know, as far as uh, opening that up to what we consider free speech uh, with, I'm sure, some caveats, I would assume. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring our guest on. All right. Well, today we are joined by Jake Widman. He's a husband, father of four, author, and 15-year Army veteran, a guy who's passionate about all things health, loves people, and most of all, hates hypocrisy. Welcome, Jake. <laughs> hey, Jake. Leo and Fabi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being so, here. So, Jake, we wanted to have you on because... We've been hearing a lot about uh, the VAX mandate in the military. And although it seems like uh, corporations and uh, even, um, you know, statewide institutions are kind of recanting on that mandate. In fact, we've even seen a judge in New York recently uh, said uh, they basically appealed the the mandate or, or, or turned it over. And they're saying that the the uh, state of New York needs to rehire anyone that they fired due to a vaccine mandate and then also pay them back pay uh, for the time that they were gone. And uh, I think we saw similar things in Alberta, Canada. But the uh, military seems to be holding steadfast in Mm -hmm. the mandate around the COVID vaccination. So I know that you are part of the military. So I, first of all, I just kind of want to throw it over to you. Maybe you can kind of give us a little bit of background of, uh, uh, you know, your, your, your spot and your experience, but we know you've been in quite a while. So I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you. Yeah. So, um, the, the man, the, the, the requirement of vaccines is no, there's nothing new to me. You know, that's something, uh, going into the military, 
I guess I can't say I really knew because I didn't know a whole lot about the military. I'm not one of the people, as people say, a military brat. I don't have a long history of military service. I didn't want to pay for college. I didn't want my my parents to pay for it. I got a signing bonus and I got <laughs> the, the enticement of, uh, of having to uh, not only be paid to go to college, but to have my college paid for. So then you go to basic training, get your hair shaved off. You you literally stand in a line just as people tell you they like to romanticize it but it's uh, many aspects of the military but to stand in a line and just walk down and there's different stations set up as you're going through and they just stick you with a needle throw a band-aid over it quick and you're you you just keep going through this line and some people will get uh you know five and some people will get 15 different vaccines what? um I, I may, and, and I that's at one time that's at one time one I mean, time i think I, I think i got six seven i mean it's you know 15 years ago now but um, uh, you know, all at all at the same time. I mean, it's wow. getting up to date on whatever it is that you aren't uh, up to date on. Um, do, do you remember? Do, just, do, do you remember at that time when you got all those? Did you did you remember having any uh, reactions or, or any? I, I just I mean, just as a side note, it's no, it's it's a solid question, um, especially considering the current events now. Um, the main thing I would say that maybe uh, that nothing stands out is having okay. side effects. No, um, I would say maybe the the reason sort of for that is because you're around just like when kids go back to school, when uh, you're you know you have people coming from literally all over the U.S. Uh, and you're bunking together and you're you're not sleeping a whole bunch, so your immune system's already suffering there bunch of issues um so you get you get sick everyone's sick for the first two three weeks because you're just sharing germs and it's a mess <clears throat> so that may mask some of the actual symptoms from uh or, or counter you know the the, the reactions um, reactions to to that because uh, it's done right away when you get there and then the next like i said two three weeks everyone's pretty much sick and then you go to the gas chamber and you're spewing out stuff you never thought would come out of your body anyways um so the gas chamber yeah, for uh, um, the you know you got to wear your gas mask and go in there and, and they put in uh, tear gas and and it's uh, oh. yeah so you you train to do that and you take off your mask and, and see how miserable it is. Oh um, my god! <laughs> so and then when you go overseas, which I've gone to Kuwait and Afghanistan, and you not only get region specific vaccines, but you also just get up to date on whatever other vaccines you haven't been up to up to date on, and you do this through several different trainings and mobilization sites throughout the process before you actually deploy overseas. Um, so again, it's just, it's what I've always known. My family always, I was always vaccinated as a child and, um, and starting off with our first, um, my wife, actually, I never had any, I, I never had any reason to question anything, uh, at least in, in that realm. Britt, my wife, um, is, is the one who initially, when we first had our, our kid who, really didn't want to do anything. And we kind of compromised and said, okay, we'll space them out. So the first was, you know, Cam, he would get whatever. I don't know. I have any idea what the schedule is, but he'd get, you know, one on, on this visit. And then next time we came back. So he was always behind on what he was supposed to have according to the schedule. But it made sense to me that at least if there was some reaction, which, you know, I was at the time a young kid, as we were, we were just talking about before, um, how young we were when we had our first, um, it would space them out. So, uh, you know, that, that didn't, that seemed like a reasonable compromise for me, um, at least on the civilian side. And then, um, did you want me to keep going kind of like the evolution oh, of, yeah, no, but I, I was, I was, uh, just interested then like with the, um, COVID vaccine, 
did you see then that that was received within the military from like your, 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 your colleagues or, or the other soldiers? Was it received differently than all of these other jabs that, uh, that you'd gotten in the past or was it pretty much status quo? Um, so I would say that it was received very differently, but received and the, um, the carrying out <clears throat> them following through with what they were told to do. I mean, that's very much so the military, you know, as again, we had talked about the chain of command and, and this person tells this person what to do. And simply because they wear a different, more higher ranking rank on their chest, for the most part, you listen, as long as it's a lawful order, you listen to them and you do what you're told. That's never been so uh, so much my my type of, of style. I'm always a, a, a very uh, curious person, asking why. Uh, and as long as I you give me the why, I'll, I'll for the most part do anything. I just want to know why it's being done. Okay, it's stupid. You are agreeing to me that it's stupid. Tell me what the end game of this why it needs to be done. If you just say, "Hey, man, it's stupid. I know we need to go take a broom and sweep off the the vehicles with it," like. If it's just busy work, tell me it's busy work and I'll go do it. I just want you to acknowledge that it's busy work and it's whatever. Um, so with this, I think a lot of people saw at this point, um, and I don't know this typical makeup of the military as far as political leanings, but um, there was definitely a lot of questioning and a lot of uh, hesitancy around it. But most people, I mean, vast, vast majority, as we see, I think there's still about 30,000 holdouts in the army that that haven't gotten and i don't even i don't even know what that what the thirty thousand is in relation to the whole percentage you would yeah i think our army uh i can look real quick but i think it's like the army itself army reserve and army active duty is like 1.3 million oh wow okay um, total army soldiers um uh no it's actually so it's gone down uh I mean, that speaks, to the, <laughs> that, that, that speaks to their challenges they've had with attracting and retaining soldiers. So uh, uh-huh. about a half, about a half million. Um, uh, and, um, and so, yeah, so 30,000, you know, it puts us at like what, uh, three quarters of a percent or so, 6.6 6, uh, of a point zero six um, of, of the, you know, the army as a whole, there's, there's, you know, Air Force, Navy as well, but that's a much smaller, the army is the biggest branch. Um, I think I'm, I haven't asked specifically anyone, but our Sergeant major in our unit did come visit back in probably March or April. And I, or, you know, we're in this big room, um, think of like a big conference room. And, uh, and she asked like, you know, who in here has had, uh, has had the vaccine. Actually, no, I think she asked the inverse of that. Who hasn't gotten the jab? Uh, and I raise my hand and I look around and I'm the, You're only, the only one <laughs> in, the, in the room. And, uh, and it's funny because uh, a, qu- a quick caveat later on, I'm talking a, a few drills later, military, you know, the one week in a month uh, later, I'm talking to a soldier and she uh, asked me uh, why I couldn't do something. And the answer to that question, of course, was because I wasn't vaccinated. And she pulls her mask over her face, takes a step back. <laughs> and I just quietly stand there. I'm like, is this, is this really happening? Like, this, <laughs> am, I, am I supposed to pretend like this didn't just happen? Or how do I proceed at this point? Like you just totally are like treating me different there um anyway so that you know that long long long-winded answer but for the most part everyone has gotten it i've got several messages from soldiers who are cheering me on so to speak who commended me for standing up and not getting it i do know um one soldier uh i know several people who absolutely did not want it 
but like their AGR, which is active military, but they're still in the reserve. It's, it's a very weird program to explain to someone who doesn't kind of understand it because they are active duty, but they're still controlled by the Army Reserve. It's kind of a strategic thing done by the Army Reserve to, to help them fulfill the needs. And so they didn't want it, but they had to if they wanted to stay in the AGR, and that's their career. Um, so I get it. Uh, you know, at that point, um, for me, it's just about so much more than, than my career, I guess, really it's a principled value based well, stance. Oh, wait, before I ask a question, yeah. I have a question. Cause you, you were talking about your kids and how you decided to do your, the schedule, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and we were just talking to military, uh, last episode and she was talking about how the rate of chronic illness for the military population for the children in particular is like twice as high as in the civilian population so talking about vaccines as it relates to children um do you, are you guys required to vaccinate the children or what is the and then have you noticed in the um, army population if they're seems to be more children that have health challenges. And what um, did you end up doing with the other kids? Because with the first one, you said you spaced them out. Yeah. How did you, uh, what did you do with the other one? <laughs> until he was about two, I think. Um, well, he would have been, so he was born, so he was born 2016, he was born 2015. Um, so it really kind of the turning point for me always that I explained, we were in, we were in uh, DC at the time I was uh, stationed there a voluntary tour that I uh, um, signed up for. And so uh, Sully, our second child was born in Woodbridge, Virginia. And we went to take him to his pediatrician appointment. And this dude, he, he had to have been well into his eighties. Um, oh, wow. Totally gave me, and he was the, the, you know, the pediatrician at this military hospital and just, I, I, after, as soon as I saw, like, saw him interacting with Sully, our, you know, our baby at this point, like, just gave me such weird, creepy vibes. Um, and we were there for another six months. And so, you know, I don't know what, uh, this will kind of tell you where we've gone over the years. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know how often you're supposed to go see a pediatrician or doctor after your child's born. Oh, I know there's like a, a few, a few <laughs> days after, and then there's like a month after, and then I think there's like three and then six months. I don't know. Uh -huh. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Cause we didn't go back to see that that guy anymore um and you know he's perfectly fine uh, not only then but to this day so we got back to indiana um and we did schedule them to meet with the pediatrician there because she was great she was always understanding of of spacing it out never asked like are you sure there was there was no questions asked mm -hmm. um so we did go back then i th think we got sully one, i don't know what it would have been he got one cam got one at that point so this was 2017 um, July of 2017. And then shortly after that, we moved back to Wisconsin and none of the kids have ever, after that point, um, have gone and seen, um, oh, Phoenix did. Phoenix, our third, did after she was born, go see the pediatrician. And the doctor said, uh, she is losing weight. If you do not supplement her and her gain a pound by tomorrow, um, she will be put in the NICU. And my wife called the, the hospital that day, told this guy is well, strongly disliked in our community. It's a pretty small community. He's, he, this doctor's strongly disliked. Um, she called the hospital that afternoon and said, we, we're moving away and won't be returning. Um, <laughs> and they, they, they never never asked any more questions. Um, and then same with Palmer. Man, uh, we live in South, South Carolina now. And we did take him um, 
which I was surprised. I, I was like for not being seen, but I think Britt just didn't want any trouble, any like, hey, they, they didn't, because we were new to South Carolina when he was born. And she's like, I don't want them to like come at us and say, hey, why haven't you taken your kids? She didn't know how strict they would be. So we did find, which was difficult, a, uh, a pediatrician, because many of them won't even be seen, uh, won't see the children. If they aren't, if you aren't going to be vaccinating them, so there was Whoa, one. In the town but that's about, in the about, military hospital. This, this, no, this is all civilian now. This is all civilian. Only Sally was born military on a military base. That's and then uh, Palmer was was uh, you know born right here in Myrtle Beach, and uh, we had to travel about an hour to go get him seen by a pediatrician, and he same thing. And he's like, "Yeah, my mom never vaccinated me when I was a child, and I was I was fine and all this <laughs> stuff." And um, so he was he was totally cool with it. And the same thing, you know, we were supposed to schedule our next appointment then, and we're just like, oh, uh, "We're good, we're good. We don't, we're not going to be coming back." And the lady was like, "Are you sure?" We're, we're, we're positive. Thanks. <laughs> yes, so, oh my gosh! But do you notice more in military families? I don't know. Is there? I, a sense that there's more children needing help or nobody talks about it or there's more allergies or. I, I, I couldn't honestly answer that. Yeah. I, I don't notice one way or the other. I think our society as a whole and our youth are, are facing so many challenges um, uh, that I haven't specifically noticed one way or the other. If the military does see higher rates. Um, I mean, I, I think, I mean, the, the, speaking of autism, like you had mentioned uh, of your other guests, I mean, there's so uh, just in, in hearing people talking as I'm walking by them or whatever, I mean, that's just, you know, what is the rate for boys? One in four now? Uh, one in 30. I mean, oh, you know, okay. that was as of uh, 2020, I believe. One okay. in 30. So maybe it's where the trend is heading. Is one in well, four, when one my, four. when our child was diagnosed and... 2011 it was one in 48 so we are just 11 years later and now we're down to yeah. one in 30 so yeah they did i remember there was that there wasn't sherry tenpenny dr Ten, didn't she do something where she she did the math and it was like if we keep on the same rate we're going to be one in two kids on the spectrum by 2050 or something like that i, I mean it was pretty it was, uh, but it's definitely you know you can't be genetics you know yeah there's no genetic there's yeah. gotta be something else and even our they bodies have just decided to give up on us and take well a even and even within the time that we had a diagnosis they have changed the criteria <clears throat> in these um 11 years i think it was shortly after we got a diagnosis and you know they changed the criteria so you can cut some kids off of it but apparently that's not mm. even helping. Yeah. But but back to you know your your specific experience in the military. I mean, so what was it about this particular vaccine that really gave you a red alarm and you decided that you know this was you were essentially going to take this all the way. At least I I, yeah. I I think that's your position. So so could you explain that a little bit? Yeah, um Solid question. I would say it's two things specifically. So I'm deployed overseas 2010 in Kuwait, federal government, as they have, I think, every year since, um, struggled to come to an agreement to, to determine uh, a budget for the year. So this is late 2010. Um, and, um, and, you know, I'm a single soldier at the time. I could go for pay without, without I don't want to go without my pay for months, but I could because I don't have a family to take care of back home or anything like that. 
And uh, so we went without pay. I think it only ended up being two weeks, but didn't get pay paid when we were supposed to. So because of that, um, you know, there's some soldiers that uh, me being finance had to have soldiers come in and get, get casual pays and which is just essentially like a cash advance, an interest-free cash advance. And, um, with that, you know, I'm finance, I'm processing all of these, seeing the hardship that this is causing on families because the politicians back home and, you know, Obama's president at this time couldn't uh, come to an agreement. Yet I'm seeing with my own eyes fields of deserted tanks at, I don't know, let's call it a million dollars a piece. Maybe it's, we'll be wow. conservative, conservative, say 500,000. I know they're much more than that, but let's say it's a $500,000 piece of equipment and just like a football field of them parked you'll see you i mean you've seen like yeah. um the planes parked you know probably out out west somewhere of old retired planes so the same thing with with all these tanks and it's like we can't pay our soldiers but but we have all of this equipment that's just left here and you know and and there's that's surely that's just a, a small fragment of the you could call it waste and abuse that's that's um done with taxpayer dollars so I see this with my own eyes and I'm in, as a reasonable person asking these questions, like, okay, how can we not come up with a budget for our soldiers or personnel, but we can to buy all this equipment that essentially is going to sit here and rust and become beat to death by sand out in the desert. Um, so that was like a, the first red flag that really went from me being a solid Democrat, like thought every, all people should be taken care of, you know, money should be devoted all towards, towards, um, you know, it's kind of a, my friend, uh, always called me an undercover hippie because I was very, very, uh, you know, fun loving, uh, just peace, love and happiness type of person then. Um, so kind of a slow, you know, um, and I had two very, very good conservative friends and we, we went hard, uh, back and forth with each other, uh, just ripping each other apart about how stupid we, we thought each other was. Um, how could you believe that you moron, uh, type stuff. <laughs> And, and, um, and so that, you know, that just slowly started me asking more questions about our, our involvement overseas, our wars during Obama's pregnancy. <laughs> we, we go from uh, two wars started by the uh, lovely George Bush and, and Cheney and, uh, and go to five, uh, seven. Uh, Obama, you know, added on Pakistan, Libya, Yemen, Syria, and I don't know. The dude that got the Nobel Peace, uh, peace prize. prize. How? Yes, uh, And that is loved wars. by many and, and, to this day. Exactly, They're one of the more frustrating things. Um, and so, uh, seeing, seeing that, and and by war, people are often think, but we don't have personnel there. You're right. We may not have personnel there, but just like with Ukraine, it's a, either a proxy war, we're funding it, or we're we're drone drone striking targets, and we're um, having uh, you know our $23 million jets fly over and drop bombs onto Intel um, targets and stuff like that. So I see that and I'm like, how is, how is this happening? Why are we, why are we fighting wars in Libya and Yemen and Syria? Like these, the, the, I mean, it's completely poor. Just this, these people um, don't need our, our assistance. Um, so and then, you know, fast forward to COVID, and I already have this kind of skepticism about the Department of Defense and sort of government in general, but not too much. I still thought most people serving in the government wanted what was best. And, and you know, maybe there, there might be some. I have friends still in the government that are wonderful, amazing people. Um, but, uh, you know, 
you see COVID and is there any, to me, any reasonable person with a, as you say in the intro of this podcast, um, you know, consult with a physician who can think for themselves and, and uh, critically about the world we live in today. And, I, you know, that could be applied to a person in general, not just a, a medical professional, a person who can think clearly about the world we're living in today. And um, like it, nothing was adding up, not a single thing. So then as they start to roll out the vaccine and you see, um, I, I liked uh, Brett Weinstein uh, a lot. So I was leaning on him and a few others, um, but a lot, I, I really... Um, like what, what Brett was saying and trusted him, um, what he said really a lot about like woke type stuff. And then he naturally progressed into the whole COVID um, narrative and everything like that. And so just for me, it just started off not even as I'm not getting this thing of just like, eh, let's just, let's just hold off and see what happens. And um, one thing you might not even know, Leo, as I actually got out of the military for nine months, didn't really plan on it, but by nature of, the officer who was above me at my previous unit wanting to use her power to, um, uh, to be, uh, we'll just say a mean person uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, she, she sort of forced me to get out of the military because I was going to get my way. I'm a very stubborn person. I was going to get what I wanted. Uh, I just didn't want to go the route that she wanted me to go. So uh, I just got out, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I'm still going to get what I want, ma'am. But, uh, this was this was during this was during covid this was uh october of 2020 yeah oh wow i I didn't know that yeah so i got out um then uh you know in a way kind of again kind of forced out in a sense that i was going to get what i wanted that was the path i needed to take to get what i wanted so um got back in to a, a unit down here in south carolina in june of 2021 so I've been back in for, you know, a year and a half about. And um, yeah, and then that's just been the, the unit itself was gave me pause for concern on many things. And the whole masking thing or the military really held on to that as long as they could. Oh, wow. There's on many bases. I mean, I haven't been to Fort Jackson in, in South Carolina in a while, but the um, the you would have thought in March of 2022 of, you know, earlier this year that it was still march of 2020 like uh, people wearing masks social distancing signs and stickers all over the place um yeah yeah it was it was really interesting to go from Myrtle beach where you you hardly ever see a mask and we've been living normal pretty much south carolina has kind of quietly been very much like florida throughout it we just you know i guess for better or worse didn't get any of the publicity that that Mm -hmm. they got for i think for murdering all the people (laughs) yeah yeah exactly because north carolina has been pretty much the opposite from yes, what I hear. Yeah, very much. Now, yeah. uh, have you like uh, uh, built, I mean, and I don't know if it's even possible. I mean, have you built bridges to other soldiers who are not interested in, in taking this vaccine? And I didn't know if there's a, uh, if there's a way to find like-minded soldiers or is they, they purposely make that difficult? <laughs> um, so, there's yeah like so the, the chaplain actually in our unit because when we right i filed a religious exemption i don't have any as i've kind of shared i have never really had a reaction to it and i'm sure i would be be fine uh had i you know if i did take it uh i'm not going to take that chance but you know let's say i would be fine um i didn't have anything to go off of anyways to say that i couldn't take it medically so i had to file the religious ex- exemption and the chaplain that i talked to was great he was actually kind of being forced out himself he didn't plan on retiring, but he 
uh, was at retirement age and wasn't going to get it. So it was an easy out for him to just retire right there rather than continuing on his service. Um, so he was getting out, but he was very helpful in um, connecting me. Really, he had to do an interview with me. And in him doing that interview, he was like, dude, you're the first person who's actually given me religious based reasons why you can't take this he's like everyone else i've called is like yeah i just don't want it like bro i want to help you i'm the chaplain i'm here for you you can't just say you don't want it like like that's that's not that's not it's not gonna uh, work uh, yeah uh, yeah which is sad right it's sad that you you have to you have to play some games yeah yeah um so he uh he was he was great and he really you know he took what i said and then kind of added he's like here's what i put on mine i'm gonna kind of doctor it up a bit um and pun intended maybe there Uh, (laughs) so so, um and then he did you know tell me about a few other people and then he connected me with another soldier actually i think it was um someone in the collective resistance telegram maybe it was mel b who connected me with the other telegram group which was military people seeking uh exemptions and in that group there was a really good exemption that someone wrote and man, was it awesome. It was really good. So I took that and created my own version of it and edited things that needed to be edited. And I think giving credit or maybe taking, not even giving credit to anyone, taking credit away from, from the military is they weren't prepared for um, the, the research that was done by people like me because um, you know, this, this, and me for me to take no credit of this thing, but this uh, exemption request was very good. Tons of sources cited, and here's why it's against this, and here's all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was great. So sent that off. Um, and and I guess just to specifically answer your question, there was one guy uh, that reached out to me from a different platoon or detachment within my unit from Florida, and asked. Uh, and he was very knowledgeable as well, and asked specifically if I could send him um, a a template um similar to that one and so i helped him out um with that and then there's been a few others but mostly uh i think as we talked about beforehand mostly everyone is uh you know is 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 either caved and taken it um been forced by sorts Uh, and i hesitate to say forced because you know you can't really be forced to do anything if we're if we're being literal with it because you know you could say i've been i'm being forced right now but um you know steadfast and and um, resisting. Um, so, yeah, I, I know very that few. Resisting, there is one you're standing good... your ground. <laughs> exactly. And there is one who is, um, who I'm actually pretty good friends with, who actually used to be a soldier of mine, who is, um, he got sent back home. He was overseas in Germany and he got sent back home because he declined it and his unit messed up all the paperwork. And now um, their fault, he has to go through and submit it all and do it all on his own uh, again. But yeah, he's, He's the only other one that I actually know who hasn't gotten it. So it's yeah, few and far between. So now do you know individuals or have you heard of individuals that have um, put in exemptions and, and essentially been kicked out as a result? This is a perfect caveat. So trying to refrain from making it too long-winded i don't know anyone who's submitted one and been kicked out i think it's mostly like the navy maybe the air force but i think it's mostly the navy who went forth and was really um proactive in in doing that the army um has really just stalemated on what they're going to do 
the um, there was the Novavax, which came out, which was um, supposed to be more typical, like a typically typical, derived yeah, vaccine, yeah. yeah, and and not made with human fetal cells, okay, uh, in anywhere in the process. So it's like anyone who's claiming religious exemption got you. This is right. your this is your ticket. Well, this is back interesting in. because that would be an EUA as well. So it how is. would we yeah. really know? Because they don't have to disclose anything about the. Military? the no, they don't have to disclose if it's EUA is still experimental. They don't have to really disclose what kind of formulation they are using. So you don't know, like this lot might have formulation A, that other lot oh. might have a completely different, you know. So it's basically you just going off their word that they're saying that there's none in the process. But I mean, how do you really know? <laughs> so so this is this is so good that you're saying this. I'll, I'll get into the. That's why I said I don't want to make the story too yeah. long. But, um, so when I said it's the military is because a lot of the military operates off of, Oh, 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 look, I outrank you. Oh, got to do what I said. Too bad. <laughs> uh, so, um, so there's that, you know, I, mm -hmm. I outrank you do what I said, or I'll go, I'll go tell on you. Um, and again, I've, that's never been, that's never been my thing. I've never bought into that. And the consequences of saying that's nice that you outrank me. Um, no, uh, in my experience have been almost nothing. Uh, I've had to do some extra duty, additional duty. I've had to stay late after hours. I've had to, whatever, but I can handle that. I'm a big boy. Mm -hmm. um, so I did get an email from my battalion commander saying, hey, Novavax came out with this, this sweet new product. It's good for all the religious exemption requesters. Um, here you go. Are you going to take it? And, um, and this was the third time I'd been asked. I'd been called by my first line leader. I'd been called by my first sergeant asking if I was going to take it. And the response was always, I'm going to do some more research. But as for now, it's going to be a solid no, because I hadn't done any research. Mm -hmm. um, he gave me an email. I was like, finally, I'm going to sit down and look into this. So I look into it. First thing um, uh, I come up with is Novavax. Um, and I don't want to quote the exact details, but I'll get the general gist. Uh, first thing is um, you're telling me that I need to take this and I can't find anywhere that, um, well, I, I should say I can find that they're claiming that it is was made without human fetal cells. But here I'm finding there's some really good work done should have been maybe more pre prepared with this, but I can give it to you to put in the show notes too. Sure. There was some really good work done by a law firm that went and done a ton of investigative, uh, essentially reporting and digging on this, you know, the way our journalists should do work. Um, yeah. And they did some really good digging and found that Novavax farmed out as many vaccine makers, and I'm sure pharmaceutical companies often do, farmed out some of its, its testing and trials to other laboratories. One of these other laboratories, at least one, um, maybe more, used human fetal cells in the testing, in the trials of this. So although Novavax specifically didn't, there is an ethical claim to be made there that they relied on another laboratories, even though they may not have known about it, it's done, said, and over with. Right. They have used human fetal cell tissue in the testing to create this vaccine that then they put into their data. Um, so there's that. Second mm -hmm. thing is Novavax is being sued currently by, I think, five different states because essentially what Novavax did was say, <clears throat> here's to get a vaccine from first step to step 10, it's being put in people's arms. And they said, hey, we're at step seven, Pennsylvania. I think that's one of the states suing them. Um, although behind the scenes, they're actually only at step three. So oh, wow. all of these states flood them with money saying, sweet, sweet, sweet. Let's take, you know, here's your, here's our money our money, you can get us this vaccine pretty soon, right? And they're like, yeah, 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 we got you. Uh, well, they're actually way far 
further back. So it took a, you know, it was a, it was a much longer time until these states got their supply, and these states are now suing them because they're like, hey, you you false you falsely claimed that this thing was way ahead of production than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. Second thing is uh, some of the many of the executive board members are currently being investigated and sued for insider trading. So it's like, okay, uh, uh, sir. Officers are uh, referred to as certain, <laughs> sir, certain, certain ma'am in the military. So I sent back this. I'm, I was really proud of it. I read it off to my wife. And I'm like, this, isn't, it, isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome? And, uh, and so I read it off to, uh, to her, uh, is this, this thorough email. I'm like, first of all, you're saying I need to, to take this. And, and essentially, there's, I'm just taking Novavax's word for it. Well, I'm giving right. you three reasons here why it's, First of all, I don't think it was created without using human fetal cells. And then there's two serious ethical claims that some of the com- that some of the company's top executives who are making these these ethical concerns are also in the decision making of this. How am I supposed to believe anything? And I was, you know, essentially said like any reasonable person that by the, by this point would see that I am not crazy for having concerns with this. And specifically, here are two examples of why I have serious concerns with Novavax and. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, like I said, it was a really good email that, that I don't think, cause I never got a response back. You so didn't, you didn't, I was going to say, what did they, they send back? What they sent back to you? They had nothing. That goes in the not. oh shit pile over here. Okay. <laughs> this was if like, you this, were this here, is... you would get a high five. Oh my God, high 10. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it, was like, uh, it was not, uh, I don't think it was what he was expecting. Um, because yeah, in, um, yeah, it's just it, no response is not typical because you know, he's he's the highest ranking officer in my direct chain of command. Right. So there should have been yeah. at least you know in a Roger Sergeant or acknowledged, <laughs> uh, but, but nothing. So wow, yeah, he's like, what do I do with this? <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, then on exactly. that point, you but you were saying though that you you weren't personally aware of anyone though who got uh, kicked out who who put in some For, form of exemption. In, in the army, um, no, I don't think anyone is being kicked out. However, they're they're not approving or denying any exemptions. They're they're currently not doing anything, which I briefly mentioned to you. Um, I think is is really says a lot by them not doing anything because I think it's a really a rock and a hard place type situation because the um, them approving it right now essentially says whatever we give up, we can't attract news. We're, there's I mean article after article just Google like or whatever web browser, web search you use, <laughs> just do a web search for, um, you know, army recruitment issues or something like that. And it'll be major, major um, uh, MSM, mainstream media publications to other military, more specific publications saying how the military in general, military, meaning army, air force, Marines, all that is struggling to attract new soldiers. Um, recruiting just is, is struggling really hard right now. And then retaining, which has been an issue since I got in, People have complained about like, oh no, you're a really good soldier. Why are you why are you getting out? Because the really good soldiers don't want to stick around in a broken system. They want to go be compensated more, and they don't want to deal with the, the baloney. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then if they deny them, um, well, then they're essentially kicking out and losing. They're already struggling with numbers, and they're going to kick out thirty thousand soldiers. Like that's a huge loss for them. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the criticism they're going to get, the backlash they're going to face, um, probably lawsuits they would face. So really right now they're just sitting at a stalemate of like, if we approve them, we're kind of shooting ourselves and the pharmaceutical companies and these vaccines and other mandates in the future in, in the foot. And if we deny them, well, then we're really shooting ourselves in the foot. So 
I, I um, yeah, I just, I think it's a beautiful place to be for them to not be able to make a decision <laughs> because, um, uh, I, I, yeah, I just, I don't think they can make a decision. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm still waiting exemption approval in another five years when I get out of the military. Really? It's just, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see them making a decision on it, honestly. There may be something that I'm missing, of course. There may mm -hmm. be a piece of the equation that I'm not figuring in, but as I well, can see they already now, um, they already lost some lawsuits, right? That they, mm -hmm. um, because there's already precedent now that people mm -hmm. can say, okay, this is too experimental. There's no... And I think since Antrax, they don't do, they shouldn't be doing experimental product, pushing experimental products on the military either. Yeah. So, I mean, do you feel that people in the military are, because of your training, that they are just more susceptible to, even though you're not recruiting new people and now you might kick out, you know, so many soldiers, you think people there are more... Um, in line just doing what they're told because it's just kind of the culture <laughs> of the military mm -hmm. or yeah yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead no you go ahead tell me um yeah i've often i've often said that uh people all well, you know more so conservative voices will say like oh yeah when the government <clears throat> um you know decides to if the government decides to um come knocking on people's door and start taking guns and stuff like that i know the military and all this stuff would would stand their ground and not do it. i'm like guys guys i've served <laughs> they're just they're just gonna follow directions man like they're not gonna ask questions as long as it's like don't you know go shoot your mother in the face right. like, they're probably not gonna do that but for some of them i wouldn't even put that past them um like, oh like they're 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 it's it's a very much i'm i'm a very very much i've been a black sheep in my family i've been a black sheep in the military um and it's, it's sort of like now it's just second nature um and and especially when people like with this new unit it's been a challenge because they don't know me so right. everything's very awkward when i'm joking about it because they're a very woke pc uh type oh. unit um because it's right at fort jackson it's called tradoc um, and, uh, and it's, it's where all of the pilot, not all, but a lot of policies and everything are made that affect the whole military. So they're, they're literally policy driven and it's, I shouldn't say policy driven because everybody should be policy driven. It's not mm -hmm. that the policies, so to speak, are the issue. It's the up, how would I, how would I phrase that? Um, uh, yeah, just like the, the further extension and, um, customization maybe of the policies like you know we've gotten transgender training twice this year and i've gotten one suicide briefing uh of how to like prevent suicide um it, all of these trainings are man or annual and i've gotten it twice so you mean like trans transgender training like a like awareness in the military they're maybe like how to be respectful and legally um navigate uh yes if you have a transgender soldier or if you're um you know you're deployed with someone or something like that like how what you are legally allowed and not allowed to do you can't tell them that they need to have their own shower time because they're still carrying around a penis but they identify as a female as long as their gender marker in what's called deers the defense eligibility enrollment reporting system um, as long as their gender marker in that program in that system says they're a female they can still have a penis but they're showering and sleeping with the females. Wow.
That is yeah, wild. pause for concern right there. <laughs> so it's okay so, so for them to ask for your medical, if you have your medical procedures in place, but it's also okay they for don't you have to. not they to. They never have to transition. That is they so never have to transition. Crazy. Yeah. That is wild. But you're saying that yeah. at the same time, you're only getting one suicide prevention which is a which is a massive problem yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean i remember i don't remember the stats but i mean it was so alarming you know about how often a serviceman takes his own his or her own life Uh, which this ties in with you wrote a book about uh, addiction is that yeah is that right um and the way you are conditioned, I guess, in the military or the culture or, you know, having to go to wars. I think if if you didn't have a culture in the military where you do what you're told, you wouldn't even be going to any war. So you wouldn't. Yeah, right. Right. So right. Um, and, then, and then now the COVID abuse on top of it. Um, do you feel like I mean, mental health is probably not great in the military population, I would assume. Uh, do you think things have taken a turn to even worse? And I'm not just talking about suicide. I'm suicide. I'm just talking about addiction, addiction just to deal with mm-hmm. this, all this conditioning, period. Have you seen this um, increase? Um, so the, the, my experience over the last couple of years has been a bit different because I was I went from a unit, a typical when someone thinks of a military unit, it was a pretty typical unit. You know, we were deployable, meaning we could uh, could deploy. Obviously, we did normal training. We did like sit down and got classes in front of a, a screen where the whole unit would sit down and get a, a briefing on, you know, sexual harassment or sexual um, uh, a bunch of different classes that we got to do every year. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the same with any corporation or whatever. You got to get some certain right. required training. Um, and then weapons qualification, your physical fitness training, all that stuff. This unit that I'm with now, as I mentioned, it's it's very corporatized in the sense that Fort Jackson, like I said, the whole base for the most part is non-deployable. They all it's just training. It's basic training. It's MOS, meaning your job, training you to do your job and stuff like that. So everyone there essentially can't deploy because they're training other soldiers who will eventually deploy. Okay. Um, the thing is, it's non-deployable keyword so many people try to stick around there as long as they can shoot if i can go through my entire career and still go through the normal process of getting more rank getting more money getting more prestige and power and all those things and never deploy sweet mm-hmm. so you have an yeah. e7 who's only ever known think about um you know uh, you know ceo for example or maybe a lower level executive or upper management position only ever existing in that realm in that realm of like management position, but never That's experiencing what it's like. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Only ever existing in that. Well, that's kind of what these are. They're like, they'll be talking about something and like, this is a, you know, a 40 year old E7 and I'm a 32 year old E6. And I'm like, but that's not how it works when it gets out to the unit. Like you've, I see your sleeve, man. You've never been deployed. You don't know. Um, right. And, and so you're uh, being led so, yeah. by the least among you. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so don't put words in his know, mouth. Your, <laughs> no, yes, yeah, so you said it for me. I mean, me. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, so there's there's definitely a lot of um, just kind of to the original point of um, you know just following following orders um, and doing what you're told because um, that's what and you're, then told. That's using, what you're told. And then using, I guess. Relying on addiction, maybe, to cope? Um, so that's, 
mean, addiction is just so, I mean, we could do like two hour right. episode on, <laughs> It'd on be that. Part, like, two. It's just, part two. Cause even for me, like I was much more prone to be an addict after my second deployment. My first one was to Kuwait. Like the worst trauma I got was boredom. Like it was, it was, you know, it's in Camp Arab John Kuwait. It's very, I mean, we have like Burger King and all these coffee shops and you can drive around, you're driving around and there's no threat there now uh-huh. um, at all. I mean, you, you, you get to interact, you know, you're driving on their local highways in a vehicle and <clears throat> just a regular vehicle, not even a military it's vehicle. It's just westernized. Yes. And so, um, uh, and then in Afghanistan, you know, took incoming weekly, uh, meaning, you know, mortars and rockets coming in oh, wow. and, um, you know, flying around in, in helicopters and you're, you just sometimes at night and you're just like, I can't see anything. And this is, this is terrifying. I, right. I hope. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like it, it's just, it whispers. It's a very loud piece of equipment. So it's like, man, the enemy could easily see us and hear us. Right. Um, so I, you know, come from there and fortunately I met my wife, uh, shortly after I got back and, uh, who's now my wife. And, you know, she really showed me once again, that you could, that alcohol wasn't this central, central part to life and to, it wasn't a prerequisite, prerequisite to having fun. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, you know, her and my relationship with her really started my journey to, uh, people, some, some people get weird about saying beat or overcome addiction, but I don't, I don't identify as a lifelong addict. Like some people cling to like, you know, I'm, 7,000 years past addiction. Like, <laughs> you know, I think you're good, man. <laughs> you don't have to identify as an addict anymore. Uh-huh. Like, so I, 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 I don't. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think I could pin it to any one thing like those specific factors having. Um, certainly combat, you know, easily, provably, reasonable person would say that combat has a role in addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, it was like, having structure, having all of this overseas and then coming back and being young, being a 21 year old and like having lots of money and like, I can do anything. I can move here. I can move there. I could buy this. I could, I could do this. I could do all of these things. I have, you know, it's like the, the, um, analysis paralysis. You have all of these options. You're analyzing all of them and you're just paralyzed because you don't know what to pick. And so I, I attribute a lot of that, um, to, to, uh, to my addiction of just being stuck and then mm-hmm. in that time, because you were in a limbo with, when you get back. Or? Yeah, and feeling because I time felt like with it, alcohol. My belief was that if you come back from the military, you're in shambles basically from all the trauma, and then you really don't get any assistance from the military. There's, so is that not correct? I, um, and then you end up as a homeless on the street. <laughs> so there's definitely. I mean, there's the 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 belief that there's not a lot of resources the military does in my experience do a pretty darn good job you have to be willing to get the help right but there's a lot of resources out there militaryonesource.com is a phenomenal resource for anything i always say it's like the google but you call them and you get a person on the phone within you know within the first or second ring and it's like hey i'm moving can you help me set this up and they're walking you through the whole process. Hey, I'm wow. suffering from depression. Hey, I want counseling. Cool. Here's 12 free counseling sessions. It's like a, it's like a concierge. Yeah. It's and so it's good, good it's quality really service. It's really not... good. They follow up with you. I mean, it's, it's really good. Um, oh, wow. I've the VA too. I've never really had a bad, at least over recent years. I've, um, I speak highly of the VA. I've never, they certainly had their issues and those issues were very real, but I think that was a lot more of the, more serious combat wounded veterans who needed a lot of care 
you know, I'm going there for like, um, just none of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not going there for that. I'm going there for, um, the like burn pit registry or something like that for burning feces overseas. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so stuff like that. Yeah. Like nothing, um, like physically major. Well, so you feel like major. you guys are supported as far as mental illness goes, you're supported, I, even though you I are do. conditioned <laughs> at, at, at that level. At the unit level, no, no, because leadership, um, and, and I was talking with a friend recently, he's telling me how terrible his unit is, and I'm telling him how terrible mine is, and many of my other soldiers that I still talk with are telling me how terrible their units are. I'm like, so is this, am I just this anomaly that just has friends who only are assigned to terrible units, <laughs> or is this, is this indicative, indicative of the military as a whole, which is what I believe, mm-hmm. and what I speak of all the time, and people think I'm crazy, and, and probably why they don't interact with anything I post. <laughs> because no yeah because uh because they're like no the military is the prime premier leadership of of the uh, of the world and it's like no no it's talk well you know i hesitate to say that but it's it's there's many there's many great there are many great leaders and they often get out and then there are many terrible leaders and they stay in oh. um and that's i think oftentimes what creates some of the suicide problems that and that's not to say they don't care. That's not to say they're like rooting for su- more suicide. I'm not at all saying that. Mm-hmm. It's the just mission, the, the, the higher ups pushing down on top of them. And then they're not saying, whoa, whoa, we, we got to slow this down. I need to take care of my soldiers too, which is, you know, one thing I've always done. All this stuff's coming down. It's like, hey guys, if I don't get an hour of time with my soldiers on the weekend, um, I can't possibly do any of this because I'm not building a relationship with right. them and they're going to do nothing for me. So I need yeah, to build a relationship with them. They won't trust you. And like, I mean, a specific example to that and then, you know, I'll let you go on with the, you know, the next, anything else you wanted to say is we were supposed to go to a, a drill one weekend. Soldier comes up to me. He's like, hey man, you know, can we talk? And I could just tell I knew him pretty well um, and tell that it was something moderately serious. And we were supposed to go to a suicide prevention briefing. I was like, yeah, let's go sit down right now. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't say, Hey, tell whatever. It just, we were the last ones in the room. And he asked me because, you know, probably he didn't want anyone seeing. And so we sat in the room, we talked for two hours and it was like, he was going through a divorce and he had a child with, um, another, another woman in the past before he got married. And she had come back into his life to ask if he wanted to be in the child's life. And it was this really, and he really, all he wanted was just someone to listen, but, um, was successful in all other areas of his life, came over here from, uh, from India and just was a fantastic dude, caring, loving, but just a really tough situation that he didn't know how to handle it. needed someone to kind of vent to. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's stuff like that. Like people will often be like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk or come on, man, figure your stuff out. Let's go. We got a hey, this, suicide briefing to go to. This may be a weird question, but just something dawned on me. It, understanding that, you know, every decision in your life leads you to where you are, right? So, so, and, and you love where you're at, you know, with your family and all that. But I mean, hypothetically, if, if meeting your wife and having your kids, you know, wasn't part of the same scenario of being in the military, you know, do you think you'd have made the same decision? You'd do that over again and, and, and join up initially? I, I'm just wondering. Um, joint, like initially in 2000. Yeah. Initially enlist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you knew what you knew, yeah, um, knew now. <laughs> and so it, I'm, I'm, I'm weird again with kind of the whole addiction, uh, paradigm. I'm weird in that sense of regrets as well. Um, I have a personal belief that I don't regret anything that I learned a lesson from. So if I ever learned a lesson from it, I, I don't have a regret. 
smoking a cigarette. I've, I knew that it was bad for me when I first smoked it. I knew that it was bad for me as I was smoking it. Smoking it, I know that it's still bad for me after I smoked. There was no lesson learned. I didn't right. like. Oh gosh, I, I, smoked a cigarette. <laughs> I, smoked, I, I was I was smoking cigarettes. I'm like, I'm such a better person from it. Like I learned all these. No, nothing was learned. I regret ever touching a cigarette. Um, I've learned so many lessons shaped me into who I am. The military again, great leaders. Um, and just as much as I've learned from the great leaders, I've learned probably more from the terrible ones. Um, um, and so, yeah, no, uh, even to this day, I mean, the going through what I'm going through right now with the, um, the vaccine and even, I mean, Brit's been like just probably more supportive than even I personally am supportive of myself, if that makes sense. Like oh, really? she's been very adamant of like standing fast and, and not, um, and not caving in. Not that I really ever would have, but I also don't know because I, I've always had her there by right. my side. So mm-hmm. I can't, I can't know what it would be like to not have her there in my ear. Cause there's mm-hmm. certain, I mean, there's many opportunities I've missed out on. I can't promote right now cause I can't go to any training. Um, I can, <clears throat> I can't, uh, I can't get a job uh, military wise. I would love to go and uh, use, I have tons of knowledge from deployments and just three different tours overseas that I've done in different aspects um, and pretty much, you know, serve out the last years using that knowledge to help people. Can't do that because I'm not vaccinated. Um, and my command won't release me to go do that stuff. So um, do, you, do you have to wear like an arm yeah. armband or anything? <laughs> I have to wear a, yes, yes. And it goes around my neck and my head called a mask. Oh, that's what you have to wear. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I still have to wear that. But even with yeah. all that, he still would do everything all over again. Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, I mean, then again, even the deployments are just like such fond memories and so many great friendships and <clears throat> experiences and actually getting to know Afghan people and see that many of them want us there. They enjoyed, you know, um, I shouldn't say enjoyed, but we're grateful that we were there because while we were in Jalalabad in Eastern Afghanistan, the Taliban wasn't. Because we know, I mean, not that they weren't, you know, driving a car into our front gate loaded with bombs occasionally, <laughs> but they weren't in the village in the city of Jalalabad terrorizing those people. Because a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, a suicide bomber is a mom or a husband who is oh. coerced into doing that. Taliban goes up to them or, you know, I'm using Taliban kind of loosely, a terrorist goes up to them and says, hey, if you don't strap this bomb to your chest and go walk into this crowd of people, we'll just kidnap your whole family and and you, that'll be the last right. of that. So here's you go. Your family's fine. You go do that. You get to go meet Allah, mm-hmm. and and you and you get to live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and people often think like, oh my gosh, this you know suicide bombers. Granted, it's still terrible. Right. It take that away, but it's not this evil person who wants to. It's not what you think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So getting to know that stuff. Um, yeah, I, you know, I can't, because even to this day, I'm still, you know, I, I battle with being somewhat complicit in the whole grand scheme and in the, in the military industrial complex and all of that wonderful stuff um, by being in the military. But then, you know, as again, Britt reassures me, she's like, yeah, but you can also be a positive force for good and, yeah. and, and showing um, other soldiers that there's a, you know, a different way, a better way that they can be shape young leaders and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, now I can't say that I, I wouldn't still do it because I have learned a lot. I, I can guarantee that I won't ever deploy again. I have mm-hmm. my ways of doing that, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not in a non-deployable unit anyways. And I suppose 
unless they hypocritically, as I said, I hate, unless they hypocritically say, oh, no, 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 we don't mean that you can't deploy while on, you can undeploy, you can, you can deploy while you're unvaxxed, which I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Uh -huh. They've come up with some, some fragmentation order that says unvaxxed soldiers can deploy. Oh, wow. Hey, so uh, that was great stuff. And, and, and we know you got to get back to your, your family. But I was going to ask you, you know, I know you're always working on little side projects. You've got the things you do in, in groups with people. Do you have any of that stuff you've got going on right now? Do you want to plug, we can send people plug to anything we can send anybody to? Or, or are you kind of in between stuff? Um, sort of in between right now. But um, go follow me. It's pretty much at Jake Whitman on everything um <laughs> everything. <laughs> lately kind of i think covid uh was the catalyst for what i'm on right now and it's just um <clears throat> excuse me uh helping people get healthier like right. it's uh and i can't make anyone just like we can't you know force our kids to do anything we can't force our spouse or friends or whatever to do anything even though we might know what's best and all of that um yeah, it's just helping. So I've been posting a lot of like just cooking videos, and I've been trying a lot of new uh, new recipes and kind of building up our little personal repertoire of. Uh, yeah, no, I saw that. I, I want to do that uh, uh, chicken pot pie hardcore. That oh, was that looked awesome. <laughs> it's it's. Uh, I think we could make that every night. Yeah. Sully though, Sully for whatever reason, dude loves chicken, loves everything that's in it. He's 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 like this though. He loves like ingredients, but then he you put them together, and he's like. Mm -mm, mm -mm, nope, no, yeah, he loves like, I mean, he loves, he's not picky at all, but when it comes to like stuff like that, yeah, he doesn't like the chicken pot. Are you still trying to engage with people politically on Facebook? I remember you, you did a lot of that. It was, it, you had great conversations, but I didn't know. Yeah. I, I've been off Facebook for so long. I, I didn't know. If they that was... have uh, dried up. Uh, I don't think anyone is um, interested in uh having the, the i think well i think i think it's just at this point now people have just resorted they've they've conceded and said hey you know it's kind of we either know or we're right. willing to know isn't um, that a, isn't that a yeah, weird spot I, to be in it's it's very weird uh because i so badly and occasionally usually about once a month i go in and, and, and just remind people that i will never forget how they treated me and others right um and uh and and yeah and that you know get some laughs and stuff but uh no um well, you know, and a lot of people yeah, don't, a lot of people don't know, but, um, Jake and I, uh, this was actually during the pandemic. We attempted to start a free speech, uh, social network mm -hmm. that we called yeah. the, the microcosm. The yeah. Yeah. It, it was a little bit short lived. Uh, but, uh, it was, it was fun for, for, it was kind of a fun little project that, that we, we tried to get off the ground. You never know how those things are going to go. And we, know, met, right? we met some interesting people. I mean, I think we only had, I think at its peak, maybe like, you know, it was under a hundred probably. It was like 70, 80 yeah. people on there, but, but, uh, people could write their own, um, content that, you know, it was, yeah. it was really just kind of a free for all. And, and, uh, um, yeah, I know we didn't get time to get into it today. I wanted to really talk about a little bit about censorship and maybe I could just get your quick take on Elon yeah. Musk taking over Twitter. I mean, do, do you, do you think that that's, uh, going to solve anything or, um, man, I, uh, I, so I, <clears throat> that's Brit will come up to me occasionally because she really, she knows that I dig deeper on some things, not on others. So she'll come up to me sometimes like, Hey, you looked at this. I'm like, no, not at all. Like the Ukraine stuff. She asked me about that. And she thought I would really get into that. And like, and while I have, I just have such a firm view on that, that we shouldn't for the most part be involved there. Almost, I'm almost a, uh, um, an isolationist in that regard. Um, I, I, uh, 
really try hard not to label myself anything for the most part. Uh, but in that regard, I'm just at a point where I'm so fed up with our foreign policy. But um, th- that, so as far as Elon though, I, again, this is one of the things that I haven't. I have my own personal view. Yeah, because you're kind of a fan of him, I, right? Don't you kind of like find him? him as dis- I don't find him as despicable as many people do. I don't think... I just don't see it. And maybe I'm, again, this is, I'm, I'm fully open. I'm not like, a big I just know he wants to put chips, chips in her heads. So that, yeah, that's a little very, bit startling. <laughs> it's the way, I don't know what it is about him because the way he even talks about that, I want nothing to do with it, but the way he talks about it, it's very, I don't, I don't know. But I isn't that dichotomy? Isn't that so interesting? You know? Yes. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't see like he builds it as like you know, we can solve Alzheimer's or something, um, which I have a huge personal, uh, yeah. you know, uh, thing too because of my stepdad passing from Alzheimer's, and um, but yeah, he so can just solve overall, Alzheimer's think, without touching the environment. Just yeah, just put a chip in. Your in. You, can, you, can, you can you can you can keep shoving the, the yeah. needles in your mouth. Yes, but, yes, and getting um, your shots. Go ahead. And, and the adult, the adult happy meals. Yeah. Um. But uh, overall, yeah, I I I think I don't think Twitter could have gotten much worse. Right. In that regard. Yeah. But um, yeah. Overall, I I think it's I hope I hope it's a net positive. I read a a, a medium article recently actually about some changes. That's someone because they said they hate YouTube and you can tell it was a conservative voice and he got eaten alive in the comments um, uh, by people essentially, you know, liberals disagreeing with his conservative viewpoint. It was very faint, but it was definitely a conservative viewpoint and why he liked disliked YouTube. And um, and it was very good about some potential moves that Twitter or that Elon might be making with Twitter and video in the future. But other than that, um, yeah, I'm. Um, Maybe like a 60 40, 60% optimistic, 40% uh, jaded, you know, skepti- yes, yes, suspicious, skeptical. All right, man. Well, hey, we really appreciate you uh, uh, stopping in and uh, visiting with us, letting us. Can you people know, still get your book? Yeah, can people, people still oh, yeah, get your absolutely. book? Yeah, that's uh, uh, up. Yeah, yeah. So that's so yeah, it's available on, uh, on Amazon or just reach out to me. I can send you a signed copy. Oh, um, I'll happily what do is that. the send book name? Copy. So it's up. And then, you know, uh, semicolon, uh, lessons of adversity, hitting bottom and choosing a life that matters is, and you do need to look for it that way. Cause I think Kevin Hart wrote one called like something very close. So that one comes up and a few others. <laughs> Kevin Hart. One. I mean, who's that dude? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, so we'll you, you share a link. Like up lessons of adversity and it'll yeah. be in there. Otherwise just again, at Jake Whitman, Instagram and Facebook and find me there and send me a message. It's my wife and my kids. Uh, I think no, actually, it's just me and three of my kids holding a, a big fish we caught on the beach in Facebook. So nice, awesome. nice. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, we'll let you get back to those kids. Do some trick or treating uh, tonight yes. in your area, and uh, we'll check in with you soon. Thanks. All right, loved it. Thanks, Bye. Guys. Thank you. All right, another great interview there with uh, Jake Widman and uh, friend of the show. <laughs> friend of the show, amazing being. Uh, the military is. Just so lucky to have him. Yeah, it's an interesting, uh, you know, because you, you hear a lot of stuff, yeah. right? But then, um, you know, I, ironically, we don't know that many people in the military, but mm-hmm. uh, Jake is somebody that uh, 
that I met a, a while back. And, uh, you know, the ironic thing about Jake is we have never met in person. Mm-hmm. So next uh, summer, baby. Yeah. Well, and, and, and the story behind Jake just real quickly, cause it's, I think it's kind of interesting is that, uh, there was an application. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was a podcasting application. And if you wanted to just start a podcast, but you didn't really have a lot, you know, you, you, you didn't have a following, you know, to get guests and stuff, then you could put out um, these keywords that you were interested in talking about. And then other people that put the same keywords out would then you could basically um, hit the keyword and it would just connect you. Oh, with like a match with a person. No, no, but but it was Podcast crazy. Match.com? It would literally create the phone call right there in the app. Oh wow! And then you could record that as your interview, or you could work with them to schedule, you know, to meet at another oh, time. That's sweet. And so I think we did one. I think we both selected um, what was it? Self awareness. I believe. And, uh, we, uh, we actually traded podcasts. He had a podcast at the time, which doesn't, I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, and then, uh, I had a, a first failed attempt at a podcast. It was pretty good. Yeah. I only had five or six episodes, I think, but he was one of my interviews there. We talked about his book a lot. And, uh, um, so I was glad to have him back and, and, and check in with him. His family's growing and, and uh, he's always got some interesting stuff to say. He's a he's a storyteller for sure. Yeah, yeah. So. Really enjoyed that. Thanks, Jake. For All being right. On. Well, let me uh, make sure I turn my volume down here. So when I play this. All right, Fabby. Oh yeah, follow us on Telegram at the Collective Resistance Podcast. What do you want to tell everybody? Hey everybody! Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Stay curious. <laughs>